I know your Bibles normally open themselves to the book of Hebrews. This morning, though, as most of you know, through the weekly word, we're going to diverge for a, a week. We're going to look at the book of, of Proverbs. We'll get back to Hebrews next week. I'm looking forward to that. Hebrews chapter 8, our heavenly priest, who Jesus is. This morning, we're going to spend our time in the, the book of Proverbs. The reason for that is because really two things converged in my life this week. Uh, first of all, I attended a workshop on biblical exposition at the College Church in Wheaton, Illinois this week. It's a conference put on by College Church, actually Simeon Trust, but um, it's, it's a conference that, that takes place every year, a gathering of pastors committed to biblical exposition in their, their pulpit ministries. In many ways, it's spring training for pastors. I remember Kent Hughes, before he retired and was leading this group, would would always stand up, begin every year with an illustration. He always used the same baseball player. I'm not sure why. He always talked about Cal Ripken Jr. Played baseball in the major leagues for, um, where's my baseball expert? Do you know how long he played for, Conrad? Cal Ripken. 21 years, 19 years of those. He was uh, an all-star. And he holds the record for the most consecutive games played. Do you know that record? It's the kind of thing Conrad knows. He doesn't know, but he played in 2,632 games consecutively. Day in, day out. It's a lot of games. Beyond, passed up Lou Gehrig. And uh, he voluntarily took himself out of the starting lineup for the last game of the 1998 season. So there wouldn't be any pressure then the next year. That's a lot of games. But Ken Hughes would say this, even though Cal Ripken Jr. is experienced, even though he's played, he's done it before, I mean, 21 years in the majors, who knows how many years before that. He said spring training is always a time to reinforce the fundamentals, right? To, to look the ball into the mitt and, and to keep your head down when you hit the ball and keep your swing compact and stretch and stretch before you ever play so that you make sure you don't um, injure yourself. And so Kent Hughes would stand up and say, this is the workshop, it is spring training where we're reminded of the fundamentals. And one of the things I appreciate about this workshop, I sign up every year, try to go, I'm, I'm not every year, <clears throat> but it took place Wednesday and Thursday, is that each year they try to take a, a different genre of Scripture. And so this last year they, they looked at um, apocalyptic literature, and this year they looked at poetry and wisdom literature. And so I've been thinking this week about poetry and wisdom literature, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. Well, the second thing that converged this morning is Mother's Day. It's an opportunity for us to honor our mothers. Every one of us has a mother. Every one of us has an opportunity to honor them. It's good to give them honor. And Karen Gusky has brought plants like she always does every year. This is for you mothers. Take a, take a pair of them. For all of you kids, make sure that you get this. You can plant these plants. What kind of plants are they, Karen? Geraniums. They're geraniums. Okay, good. I don't... I don't know what a geranium looks like, so, but I'm sure they will be pretty. They, they flower and everything, they'll be good. So today, in light of these events, I want to preach from Wisdom Literature. I want to preach a message this morning called Wisdom for Mother's Day. My text is the book of Proverbs. And rather than landing on one text like we normally do and just dig into that one, I'm going to look at multiple passages today in Proverbs and pull out some wisdom for us. And I want to let you know that my message this morning isn't merely for mothers alone. If you have notes that you've grabbed from the bulletin or from the back table, you can see that there's application for moms, there's application for husbands, 
There's application for children as well. This is, this is for all of us this morning. And the reason why we have application for all of us is because Mother's Day really is a family affair. It is children and husbands giving honor to the mothers who are here. And surely there are some homes in which it's, all, it's terrible all year long. And then comes Mother's Day and these children have been out of control, marriage is a wreck, mom gets no respect for at least maybe one sentence, at least they give some credence to mom. Maybe it's a day when mom gets some credibility or some, some relaxation from her normal duties, I don't know, but it goes back to the same old, same old. But I would say this isn't how Mother's Day should be. Mother's Day should really be, in some sense, a crescendo, in some sense, merely an explanation point, frosting on the cake of what our lives are like in our families all year long. So women, my exhortation to you this morning is live a life worthy of your calling. Live a life worthy to be honored in such ways. For husband, my exhortation to you is that you show your love for your wife throughout the year so that Mother's Day isn't any real special radical thing. Children, I want you to give honor to your parents every day. And so these are kind of the flavor of the admonitions I'll give. And then your Mother's Day will be sweet. There's family harmony in the home. And then Mother's Day will be especially special. So I want to start off this morning at the end of Proverbs. Proverbs 31. You can open there. It's way at the end. I want to start almost the last verse. Verse 30. It says this of Proverbs 31. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. It's my first point this morning is mothers fear the Lord. Mothers fear the Lord. There's a contrast here in verse 30. The first half describes the woman who's seeking the approval of others on a horizontal level. And then the second half of the verse speaks about a vertical approval, seeking the approval of God and God alone, fearing the Lord. Mothers, women, you need to know that your personality and wit can be attractive to others. Others can, can just like to be around you because you talk in such a way that you're just fun to be around. You, you laugh. People enjoy your company. You just be like that. Your beauty as well. Your beauty can attract the attention of others. And people might enjoy being around you simply because they enjoy your beauty. But alas, your, your charm and your beauty can be used in a deceitful way as well. With sweet talking, you can get what you want. And with attractive face and body, your way is smooth as well. Early in Proverbs, the case was presented about the adulterer who goes out to capture her prey, her naive young man. She was hunting for this man who was lacking sense. And it says in Proverbs 7.10, with her dress, and in Proverbs 7.21, and with her many persuasions, she entices him, and as an ox to the slaughter, so he goes. Using charm and beauty to take a man to his death to destroy his life. That's the power that charm and beauty can have. And, and women, you can do this as well. Maybe you won't persuade a man into adultery, but you can easily persuade a favor from a friend or maybe something from your husband by these means. But God calls us not to trust in these things. God calls us the end of verse 30, to trust in something else. A woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. In other words, God's calling you ladies to, 
fear the Lord, right? Think about things beyond the here and now. Have, have your eyes set for the eternal. Realize that there's more to life than meets the eye. It's the eye of the Lord that's upon you day and night, watching the good and the evil. So, so live so as to please the Lord. And it says in verse 30 that such a woman will be praised, will be greatly honored on this Mother's Day. It's an easy admonition in some sense because this is the core of the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is, is written so as to teach us how to live a wise life in the presence of God, and that all begins with the fear of God. It says in chapter 1, verse 7, the fear of the Lord's beginning of knowledge. And it says in chapter 9, verse 10, the fear of the Lord's beginning of wisdom. It says in chapter 15, verse 33, the fear of the Lord is the instruction for wisdom. So you want to live a wise life, mothers? Live it in the fear of the Lord. Now, in the context of the Bible, the fear of the Lord certainly means we need to trust in Jesus Christ and His atoning work. We fear the Lord because we know of what our sins deserve and we know of where we stand before Him and yet we can rejoice knowing that in Christ our sins are forgiven and such knowledge changes our life. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I think it's verse 11, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, it's, it's why we persuade people to follow Him. And he says later, a few verses, he says that Christ died for all, that they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died and rose again on their behalf. And, and that's how wisdom works itself out. <clears throat> wisdom is the working itself out of the one who fears the Lord. Fearing the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and then everything else flows from that. We who believe in Him and trust in Him and walk in His ways. And that's what Proverbs speaks about. So you say, I'm a mother, how do I practically do this? Well, Phil read for us from Proverbs 31. She has an eye upon the Lord in all of her labors, not serving herself but others. It says in verse 10 that she's an excellent wife. It says that her worth is far above jewels. Verse 11, she lives in such a way that her husband trusts her with all things. Verse 12, she does him good and not evil the rest of the days of her life. She's industrious. She works hard. She's generous. She provides for her children. She looks to the future with joy. And all these are ways in which you can fear the Lord. And we can certainly spend a lot of time thinking about the fear of the Lord. But we're not going to this morning. I just commend you to the book of Proverbs because we have other things that we need to move on to, particularly we need to move away from the wise. We're going to talk now about husbands. Right. This is your role. Husbands, my second point, I want you to praise your wife. Husbands, praise your wife. Look, look there, even in Proverbs 31, look at verse 28. It says, Her children rise up and bless her. Her husband also, and he praises her, saying, Many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Now, obviously, this praise here is the praise of Proverbs 31 woman. She is the superwoman, operating her home with excellence, getting up before everyone else, staying up late, engaging in business, providing for everything for her family, providing everything for her husband. And, and you're thinking to yourself, men, that's easy to praise, right? Well, some of you are fortunate to have a Proverbs 31 woman like I do. Some of you do. Some of you may not. I hope not here. 
But I certainly know there are ways that Avon lacks. We all, I mean, Proverbs 31 is like the law in some sense. I mean, it, it is high and lofty, and I'm not sure anyone can get there, but all of you women approximate that, surely. And there are some things that you can, you can commend and you can um, praise in your wife. I also encourage you children, by the way, just e- even right here, to, to think about your future husbands or wives. Set the bar high. Set the bar high. Boys, be looking for a woman who fears the Lord. And women, be, girls, be looking for a man sometime that will be able to lead you and strong enough to guide you. Carissa, we had that discussion this week, right? I, I told Carissa, says, you know, when you don't, don't settle for lower. I said, set the bar high. Carissa, you're smart. And you, you, you better get a man who's smart. And you better get a man who's going to be able to lead you. Otherwise, you're going to be frustrated. And, and don't compromise at age 20 thinking it's going to be fine. I said, wait till you're 30 so that you can enjoy the happiness there. It's way better to have 40 happy years than 50 difficult years with a man who's not able to lead you. And so I just say that men, your, your wife may not be a Proverbs 31 woman, but that doesn't mean you're off the hook. You really need to praise your wife. You need to lift her up. I say this because Scripture speaks about how we need to build each other up. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. These words talk about the church life, right? building each other up in the church life, and if they apply to the church life, the brothers and sisters in the church, certainly they apply to husbands with wives. Certainly your wife will have faults, but you can find some way to commend her. But think about this, man. If you simply would, would go home tonight and thank her for everything that she did for you today or this past couple days, I don't think your conversation would ever stop. It might go something like this. Honey, thank you for making dinner for me tonight. It was very tasty. Thanks for setting the table and making it look so nice. Honey, thanks for doing the laundry today. I appreciate having clean clothes in my dresser every day. Thanks for the way you clean up the house today. I know you picked up after the children and you even picked up after me. Thank you very much. Thanks for taking care of the children today. Thanks for the diapers you changed today. Thanks for what you taught the children today. Thanks for reading the Bible to the children today and for praying with them while I was at work. Thanks for taking the time to go to the store today. Thanks for getting the, the food that we eat, for purchasing the little things at the store. Like, like I noticed you purchased some new pens and paper clips and paper towels and sticky notes and sponge pads and batteries and light bulbs and let's see what else are you yeah, I see you bought some fertilizer I need to apply that's great you bought some frying pans to help some styrofoam cups and vacuum and it'll go on and on so next time she comes home from Walmart wherever she shops how about you say honey here can I have can I have my list can I have your your itemized bill here thank you for buying that 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 thanks for going out and filling the car when you out that's Today, thank you for praying for me today. Thank you for praying with the children. Thanks for keeping the checkbook current. Thanks for making the phone calls you did today for all the organizational things. Tell me, wives, how many of you would like to hear this from your husbands? I think every single one of you. And husbands, listen, that's all there to commend in terms of the things that your wives do for you. 
And if you think about it, man, your list will be endless. It won't end. Your words of praise to your wife, by the way, also, this is my little secret, your words of praise to your wife will help your wife achieve Proverbs 31, if you will. Because a wife will be spurned on by the words that you say. Praising a wife is like greasing a slide. You're just going to make it easier and she's going to have all the more passion and all the more willingness and all the more desire to seek to do the things of Proverbs 31 that you want, that she can delight in, that she can rejoice in. It's a little bit like home field advantage, right? Don't sports teams play much better at home than they do on the road? You say, why is that? It's because they have fans who are cheering them on in every play. It's easier to push towards the finish line when you hear the roar of the crowd. right? You can run faster when you hear everybody cheering for you. You press just a little bit harder. It's called home field advantage. And when you encourage your wife and her work, you'll find that you're giving her home field advantage that she'll be pressing on to do more. You want a Proverbs 31 woman, men? Then praise her. Identify evidence of grace in her life. Identify the qualities which God is working in her life and encourage her to fear the Lord. Husbands, you might be thinking about this. You know, Steve, I'm not so verbal. It's just hard for me to, me to say things. It's hard for me to speak to the wife. I just say this, men, get it done. Get it done. I've spoken with all of you men. You speak pretty well. You should be able to speak towards your wife. I think your problem is not your verbal ability. I think your problem is your pride. It's not your tongue. It's hard to speak. It's, it's, it's humbling to speak these ways. But humble yourself before your wife and exalt her in these ways. And I believe that when your heart truly finds delight in your wife, your lips will follow. Solomon tells us in Proverbs 5.18, Rejoice in the wife of your youth. And that's what Mother's Day is all about. It's rejoicing in our wives. It's setting aside a day today, Mother's Day. Rejoice in the mother of our children. And encourage your children also along to follow our suit. You want to have a, a great Mother's Day for your wife? It doesn't just happen today, men. It also happens all year long, so let's prepare for this day. We've talked about mothers. We've talked about husbands. Let's turn our attention to children. <clears throat> children, this is for you, all right? All of you kids. Here it is. What is it? What does it say, children, we're supposed to do? Or, or you're running. Proverbs 23:25 says, Let your father and mother be glad and let her rejoice who gave birth to you. That's true honor. That's true honor. That's how the proverb says it. Foolishness will dishonor, but if you become wise children, then Mother's Day will be a glorious day as mothers think about their children and the wise children they have and they delight in that. All right? Let's move on to our fourth bit of counsel. We've seen that uh, mothers need to fear the Lord. We've seen the husbands need to praise their wives. Children need to honor their father and mother. And now, mothers, they need to teach your children. Teach your children. And this point really flows from the last one. My last one is addressed to the children. Honor your mother by being a wise child. But, but we all remember, right, that every child born in this world is born a sinner. And a child will naturally head towards foolishness, but they need to be trained in righteousness. They need to be trained in wisdom. If ever they're going to live righteous, wise lives, they need to come to Jesus. And so tell Him. Tell your children. 
mothers about Jesus. Show them what it means to trust in Him and call them to repent and believe. So parents, if you want your children to rise up and bless you and honor you on Mother's Day because they're living wisely, it's going to take some work throughout the year in order to see Mother's Day coming where you can be honored. That's my point. Mothers, teach your children. God has ordained two means by which we're to train our children. The first is physical and the second is verbal. It's good for us with lots of kids to be reminded of this. Proverbs 22 verse 15 says that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. But the rod of discipline will remove it far from him. Here's the picture. Your little bundle of joy that you're holding in your arms that you tuck to bed at night has foolishness in him and that foolishness needs to be driven away. And God has given you the rod to drive it from your child. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child and what drives it? The rod of discipline will remove it from him. Now, I'm not talking about striking your child in anger. I'm not talking about striking your child in frustration. I'm not talking about hurting your child in any way. I'm talking about this. Your child sins and you observe it. And your child is old enough And so you discern that, no, this isn't childish behavior, this is sinful behavior. They know clearly right and wrong, and they choose the bad path. And without anger, you pick your child up from the situation, and you remove them to another room, like a bathroom with the fan on, so they aren't shamed in front of their brothers and sisters. You explain to the child what he did wrong, You explain to the child that you love them, but that God tells you to spank them. Proverbs 13.24 He he who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. And you explain to your child that that sin is painful. You explain it. And you, you take their pants off. You lay them on the ground. You put them over your knee. You take your rod and you tell your child how many swats they will receive. It's it's almost always one with me. Unless they disobeyed in getting up to the place of discipline. Then they get others. But normally it's just one. Flat spot. the, The board of education on the seat of knowledge, as they say. You put on their pants. You put on their diapers. And then you hug them and you kiss them and you love them and you hold them tight and you console their crying tears and you say, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you and you calm them down. And then you explain the Gospel to them. You say, you sinned. You did wrong and sin hurts. There's consequences to sin and God tells me to spank you. I need to teach you of the consequences. I spank you because I love you. And you need to see and feel that sin hurts. And I forgive you, but I can't take away your sin. There's only one who can take away your sin. It's Jesus Christ. Believe in Him. Believe in Him and your sin will be taken from you. And then take your child and pray with your child and plead with the Lord that God would open His hearts. Plead with the Lord that the foolishness would be driven from Him, as His Word says that God would even give him wisdom because it says in Proverbs 29.15 that the rod and reproof give wisdom. So plead for wisdom 
in your child. And if you do it right, your child will be very happy when it's all done. At least that's our experience. Our children beam with joy whenever they've been disciplined. Because listen, here's why. They know that they've sinned and they know that mom and dad have dealt with their sin and they know that mom and dad aren't going to bring it up again. Oh yeah, remember last week when you did this? None of that. It's all done. It's dealt with. There's been the consequences. You know, they know that you're not angry with them. They, they know that you, we, we love them. It's always a happy time. Our children have fond memories of the bathroom, probably, I guess. Hannah, do you? Krista, do you? Probably, sort of, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> but that's one aspect of training, the physical, the rod. But there's another. And as they get older, here's, here's the training mechanism you had. It's reproof. It's more verbal. It's not, it's not physical. And, and as you find them getting older, as you're not changing diapers anymore, as you're not dressing them anymore, you'll find that this will change. And mostly then it's verbal with your children. Because the rod, it's reproof that gives wisdom. It's, it's teaching that gives them wisdom. And as, as your children get older, you'll, you'll be spanking less and speaking more. And it can take lots of forms of speaking more, but it does require talking. It requires a, a dialogue back and forth. And what you need to do, parents, with your children, if you want to have wise children who come up and are going to bless you, you need to help interpret life for them. In Proverbs 24, Solomon said, I passed by the field of the sluggard and by the vineyard of the man lacking sense. He's just walking out there, seeing this vineyard of the sluggard. And he says, Behold, it was completely overgrown with thistles. Its surface was covered with nettles and its stone wall was broken down. And when I saw it, I, I reflected upon it. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest and your poverty will come as a, a robber and your want like an armed man. And what, what Solomon was doing is saying, Hey, listen, see that field over there? It's the sluggard. And he's just taking a little bit of sleep. He's taking a little bit of rest at the wrong time. And what's the impact of that been? The impact of that is sorrow and difficulty and, and poverty. And, and so, so kids, do you, do you wanna, want a life like that? Or, or you want to reap the benefits of the vineyard? Well, work hard, don't sleep. And you teach them, teach them to work hard. And this can take various forms. I mean, we, there was something in the Rockford Register Star. I think it was this week. You know, we had dinner. We were talking about financial matters. And there was... There was something there, you know, maybe I, I can't exactly remember, but it talked about just the recession and the impact it's had on jobs. And without a high school education, it showed a, an average salary. And with a, with a high school education, it showed the salary. And with a college education, it showed the salary. And with a master's level, it showed the salary and talked about just the impact of the recession on each of those jobs. And we, we talked about the children, about the importance of education and teaching them now so as to interpret life, so as to give them, put fire under their pants so that they would work harder at school. Seeing the benefits are there. We, we talked to them about that. As many of you know, we've been talking to them at dinner time about uh, this book, Cheapskate Monthly, which I bought for 50 cents. <laughs> was that appropriate? I went to a used book sale at a library. I commend those things to you. You could just, um, we, we've done, we just go, 50 cents, 50 cents, 50 cents. And for $10, you know, you can buy this big stack of books and, and, and there are treasures to be found in there. And this is a treasure of 50 cents. We've probably been going at this thing for maybe the last month and we just talk and... Um, her testimony, Mary Hunt, that she was massive in debt and then learned how to get out of that. So we've been talking about the evils of debt 
and just the difficulty it's going to have and how much better it is to be a saver than a spender and just trying to help our, our kids so that they don't get encumbered by those kind of things. I think about how we just need to um, talk with our boys and girls. We need to talk to them about idols. We need to talk to them about peer pressure. We need to talk about purity. We should have sexual conversations with our children so they hear it from us and not from other people. We should talk about passion for God. I think about what we're doing with our men talk, man to man and our girl talk. That's all we're trying to do. We're trying to say, dads, get behind this and start talking to your boys and girls. Moms, get behind this. Start talking with your girls and let's just carry on. You have a responsibility to teach your children and so let's just start teaching. Let me just start talking about this stuff and just let it go. Let it flow. And you have lots of wisdom in you that you can speak. At our dinner table, we've been going through this. I'm telling you, we get through two pages and it's just the conversation just flows and it's around this. It's, it's been very nice because it's not focused around whatever Jimmy getting hurt outside. Or it's, it's, it's talking about things that's going to help them in, in the future. And I just say this, it's unfortunate that as children get older in their teen years, they tend to drift from communicating with their parents. They tend to communicate on their cell phones with their friends or they're involved in so many activities with the school and activities and their friends. They oftentimes have little time for their parents. And, and, and what a shame it is. I've found this. My children have gotten older. They demand more of me because there's more to talk about. Parents, you need to train your children. Interpret the world for them. Guide them. Teach them God's Word. And then Mother's Day will be sweet as you have wise children. It, it, I've had other people tell me before about um, commenting, Steve, I appreciate your heart for your kids. I've heard people have told me that. They see it, I just kind of put it on display. And to me, one, I love kids. I love being around kids. I love being around you, Hannah and Carissa and Asar. And David and Stephanie are, are off in the nursery and children's church. But I love, I love the little guys rough and tumble. David's just all laughing, you know, back and forth. And... I'll tell you a little funny with David. Yvonne told me, this is going to be weekly word material, but maybe it still will be. But he's playing with these Lego guys, right? And, and he found out somehow that they, they said, oh, they're fighting with each other. And so one says, take this. And then one says, no, take this. And he says, take this, take that, take that. And then he says, take what? <laughs> he's like, you know what he's saying. But I love kids. They're so fun. You know, the, the, little, the little guys. And as they become older, I've enjoyed them more and more and more and more and more. I think it's because it's no longer just kind of playing like that. I'm training them for a life, right, for, for wisdom. And I love teaching them, spending time with them, playing with them, directing them towards good resources, discipling them in the faith. But here, catch this, it's purely selfish, it is totally selfish on my part why I'm doing that. It's self-centered because I have my eyes toward the end. I have my eyes toward wise children. And I know the blessing that will come to Yvonne and I if our children are walking with the Lord in wisdom. It doesn't matter if they're wealthy or poor. It doesn't matter if they're healthy or sick. If they love the Lord Jesus and they're walking with Him in wisdom, I know that my latter days will be blessed days. I know that we will have happy Mother's Days. 
3 John 4, I have no greater joy than this, to hear of my children walking in the truth. And that's what my heart's desire is, to hear of my children walking in the truth when they're outside of our home, when they're making decisions by themselves, walking that way. Now, it's only by God's grace that that will take place, but I just say, listen, I'm working hard towards that. And mothers, I encourage you to work hard for that too. Fathers, I encourage you to work hard for that as well. I've seen children who've never been spanked, who've never been given guidance by their parents. I've seen how these children have brought a curse to their parents. I remember seeing one man whose son was addicted to video games. And uh, and we're talking eight hours a day, ten hours a day video games, forgetting school, everything. And I said, um, my counsel to you would be shut off your internet subscription. And he said, oh, I couldn't do that. He'd never spanked his child in his whole life. He'd never disciplined his child, pampered his child. And now he's growing up as an irresponsible man. And he's just going to bring grief to this man forever. I see that and say, I don't want that for me. I'm going to discipline them when it's young, when it's easy. And then loosen up to give them freedom to make right choices. Hopefully I've trained them to show the value of godly choices in the end. So I just, for your own health, for your own sake, teach your children. Alright, let's press on to my fifth point. Mothers, fear the Lord. Husbands, praise your wives. Children, honor your mother. Mothers, teach your children. Fifthly, couples, strive for harmony. As you teach your children, husband and wife, be united. May dad's teaching and mom's teaching like intersect. If there's, if there's a difference between you two, your children will know it, even from a young age. How many of you have seen this? Your children come and ask mom something, and they get the answer they didn't want to hear, and so what do they do? They walk over and they ask dad. And if they get a different answer, there's a problem. And we've given different answers before, and there's a problem. They're just exposing you. But dad said I could. And I say, husbands and wives, deal with your differences, strive for harmony. Turn over to Proverbs 1. Proverbs 1, verses 8 and 9. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Here's father's instruction, here's mother's teaching. Indeed, verse 9, they are a graceful wreath around your head and ornaments around your neck. I'm simply making the observation here that verse 9 describes... Father's instruction and mother's teaching together as they. I think there's a, a unity there. There's an inherited harmony. They're, they're interlaced together as a wreath, is what verse 9 says. They are a graceful wreath coming together, unified, maybe different words, different ways, but same message coming across. Over chapter 6, verse 20, same thing. My son... Observe the commandment of your father and do not forsake the teaching of your mother. Instead, what you do, bind them. Bind both of them continually on your heart. They're not going to pull you different ways. They're going to pull you the same way. Tie them around your neck. When you walk about, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you wake, they will talk to you. I think the assumption is made. The father's teaching and mother's teaching in harmony with each other, giving clear direction to their children. And Let me just say, Parents, your children will know where there's disharmony in the home. They will know. You can hide it for a little bit. You can't hide it forever. 
and disharmony in your marriage will affect your children. So you want to have a delightful Mother's Day? Resolve your differences, especially as they relate to your children. When there's harmony in the home, Mother's Day will be a, a delight. I believe the best way to strive for this harmony is for couples to be spiritually engaged with one another. That's the best way. If you have arguments, difficulties, different views about finances, the best path to resolving that is to have spiritual unity with each other that can flow out and address those issues in a right and proper way. So I encourage you, husbands and wives, read the Bible together. Talk about the Bible together. Read Christian books together. If you can't read out loud, maybe read it. She reads and you read and you come together and you talk about it. Listen to the same things. Say, hey, here's something good I want to listen to. Or you get CDs from the church. Listen to the same things. Dialogue and talk. And I say this, as much as I've enjoyed engaging my children, my joy has been equal with Yvonne. Just over the years, spiritual dialogue and the ways of God and we've seen things different. Listen, we sought to resolve them. We've had meetings up in our bedroom. We've locked the door. Right, guys? There's been times we locked the door and hours at a time just trying to hash through stuff. But you can't do that if you don't have a spiritual bond together. Well, you can probably do it, but it's not going to work as well. So I encourage you, read the Scriptures together. Speak of Christian things. Talk about my sermon on the way home. Talk about all the good things you learned, right? <laughs> Okay, you can criticize me, but be gracious in your criticism, okay? <laughs> There's lots to criticize, surely. I encourage you also, the husbands and wives, to pray together. Pray for each other, pray with each other. Did you know that most married couples don't pray together? They don't. So I look upon you, there are few of you that pray together. I'm just saying, strive for harmony. That just starts in, in praying together. Now, let me just give you a, give me a real easy thing. You say, oh, I don't think I can read like you and Yvonne do, Steve. I, you know what? You, you probably have too high a view of what Yvonne and I do together. All right? We start our marriage strong. There's been time we haven't. We've just picked up reading again. So we've had big gaps in our marriage in terms of just reading Scripture together. But I would just say this. How about men? How about you show your honor to your wife by dinner time, just saying, honey, can we just read one verse of Scripture and think about it, talk about it, and just open it up. One verse of Scripture takes, what, maybe 15 seconds, and then just talk about it. Just say, what do you think that means? Just open up, just start talking about that, and maybe just right before you go to bed, just say, hey, can we, can we pray together? How about, I'll pray for... 15 seconds, and you pray for 15 seconds. 30 seconds. Is that too hard, man? I don't think it's too hard. Just start like that, and then go on beyond that. That's going to help you in your marriage. It's going to help you on your Mother's Day. You want a happy Mother's Day? Have a happy marriage. Have a united marriage. All right, sixth and, and final point this morning. We're talking now about wives. All right, Mother's Day... Mothers, husbands, children, we're back to women now here. I just want to address an issue that's prominent in Proverbs. Saying this, wives, build your home. You know, sadly, there are wives that tear down their home. You say, really? Yeah. Look at Proverbs 10, verse 11. I'm sorry, 
Proverbs 14, verse 1. How that came out, Proverbs 10, verse 11, I don't know. It's Proverbs 14, verse 1. The wise woman builds her house, but the foolish tears it down with their own hands. Now, I'm not sure this is talking physically about the, the foolish woman, right, who's, who's taking the pictures off the wall and taking them down and, you know, taking out the crowbar and taking everything out. But I think it, that she actively, the foolish one, will actively work so as to tear her house down. We're talking mostly here about tearing those down in your house. So the house isn't unified. There's no unity in the home. It's just being ripped up and teared up. And I think most of the common ways to do this is with the tongue. Rather than building each other up with our words, wise particularly, there's a way you can tear down your husbands in a way that's very damaging and hurtful. I think it's a particular temptation for women. I do believe this goes back to the fall. After the fall, it says in Genesis 3.16, your desire will be for your husband, and that is a desire to rule over your husband, but he, being a stronger, will rule over you. So, since you can't get what you want, and he is stronger, and he's not being Christ-like and getting under you and serving you and lifting you up, you're fighting and quarreling and breaking down your house. And there's some verses in Proverbs that describe the contentious woman. She's the one that's always arguing, always seeking her own way. And she may get her own way. But in the process, she may be tearing her house down. Proverbs 21, verse 9, It's better to live in the corner of a roof than in a house shared by a contentious woman. Women, if you are argumentative towards your husband, you you might as well be saying, husband, he'll be thinking, I'd rather live on the roof. Really. It's better to live in a desert land than with a contentious and vexing woman. These are like funny metaphors in in some regard. But a contentious, argumentative wife is very, very difficult. It's like constant dripping of a steady rain. I'm, I'm thinking now about someone that I know. You don't know. Not part of this church, so don't be thinking, hmm... Is he talking about his own marriage? Hmm. Is he talking about... Now, here's, here it is. This, this woman is a contentious woman. Always talking. Always talking. In fact, when I've interacted with this woman, I don't think I've said anything to her. She's just, she's just talked and talked and talked and talked. Uh, I remember one time I was talking to her about um, being a pastor and she's talked on and on and on about everything and about her pastor and da 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 like okay she put forth her point always and she's of course always right and you know what's happened in their home hand by hand she's been tearing down her home her son comes home from school he instantly leaves and goes out of the home and who knows what he comes back a couple hours later when dad comes back home at least there's some chance she's got he's got for some peace at home. <laughs> and I remember she talked about, yeah, I don't know where he goes. He just kind of comes home and then goes off to the thing. Yeah, whatever. He's just doing his own thing. <laughs> and she's just all gawking like. And I've heard from other sources that they're merely holding out in their marriage until their kids get out of the home in a few years and all likelihood divorce is coming. Because her husband's thinking, desert, home, I'll take the desert more pleasant out there. 
She's tearing down her home by her words, and I don't think she knows it. Wives, I just say, don't do this. Instead, wives, I would encourage you to build your house. And so you say, how do I build my house? Well, you just take the opposite of contentious woman, and you be a gracious woman. Look at Proverbs 11, verse 16. A gracious woman attains honor. What does gracious mean? It just means you're kind and you're gentle and you're giving and you're helpful. You're like Proverbs 31. But the kindness, even it says in Proverbs 31 that kindness is always on her tongue. It says another passage of Proverbs, I forget where, I don't have it in my notes, but she's a crown, the crown of her husband. That's who she is. Really, I encourage you to be gracious. And the best way to be gracious is to reflect upon the cross of Christ. And that's the only way that you're going to be gracious to others when you realize that God has been gracious to you. And that's just how it works. Even as I read in 1 John chapter 4 today, right? We love because God first loved us. So you reflect upon that love of God and that love will come out. You reflect upon the grace of God and that graciousness will come out. And the gracious woman will attain honor. You want to have honor this Mother's Day? Be a gracious woman. You know, it, it, it's very interesting as I interact with people. Um, people who are gracious, I want to be around those people. It, if someone is gracious and kind, I, I find myself attracted to them. Like, I want to be around this person. But if someone's argumentative and bitter, it just, it's just like a, I'm repelled from that kind of person. And so mothers, if you want honor... If you want people to be attracted to you, don't use your, your charm and beauty. Use your grace and people will be attracted to you. Your children will rise up, call you blessed. Your husband will bless you because he knows what's coming from you. It's not the venom, right? But it's the sweetness of dessert and how wonderful that is. So that's wisdom for Mother's Day, not only this Mother's Day. If I trust husbands, you'll do whatever you can to make your wife's day good. Children, we encourage you to do whatever you can to encourage your mom. But also even, I want to give you wisdom today for even another year to think about how will my Mother's Day at a year from now, how could it be different and better based upon the, the things that you do today? So you fear the Lord and husbands, you're praising your wife, your children, you're honoring your parents and parents, you're teaching your children as you're striving for a harmonious couple and as you're building your home, women. And really all that is basically this, is that we need to seek for wisdom as a family. If I had a seventh point here, it would be family seek for wisdom, right? Pursue the things the Proverbs says are wise ways to walk. And our mother's days will be even sweeter than ever. Well, let's pray to the Lord that He would give us such mothers and such mother's days. Oh God, I would pray that you would give us the wisdom of how your word works. That when uh, a wife isn't submitting in a marriage as she ought, it's not her problem, but it's our problem as men, oh Lord, because we've not been loving as we ought. Because we love our wives, our own bodies, they will gladly submit to us because we have their best interest in mind. And Lord, teach us also that when our husbands don't love us, the problem isn't them, it's us. So we haven't bent to submit to them. 
And certainly that's not the case all the time, but that's where we can work. I pray that you would give us wisdom this Lord's Day as we think about mothers. Thank you for the mothers here. So I think of a church that is filled with half-children. How many mothers we have and they're doing excellent work. As I, as I look out among these ladies, Lord, I thank you for the way in which you have helped them, in which they serve their children tirelessly, in which they, they show forth grace and kindness. And, and I would pray, Lord, the children would rise up today and bless their mothers. But not just today, Lord, next week and next month. God, may we live together as a church community in such a way that we build each other up and we commend each other and that we like to speak to the honor and praise of each other. And Lord, the only way we can do this is through You and Your strength, and so I pray You'd give that strength. For areas in which sin has been pointed out here, Lord, I pray that You would would lead those to comfort in the cross, not merely to strive harder but realize and confess failures that then they would turn to You. And even as we read in prayer meeting this morning, they would find themselves low that You might lift themselves up high. That they might find strength as perfected in weakness and confession. So please, Lord, I pray for those who are, who are hurting because of shortfalls here. Help them and lead them and guide them in the appropriate way. And we do pray, I do pray for the homes. So we will separate from this place here in the next hour. I pray for the, the celebrations we have, the dinners we enjoy. Um, Lord, may Rock Valley Bible Church be known as a, as a church where, uh, where You are honored and where ladies and women and mothers are, are lifted up and exalted and treasured and considered as precious, worth more than costly jewels. So help us this day, God, use my feeble words to in some way change our lives to live after you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.